In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Let's read from the first letter of St. John, chapter 1. It is just ten verses, so we'll read the whole chapter. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you. That you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ. Let me stop here. So St. John is saying what we heard, what we have seen, we are sharing with you, we are declaring with you. Why? Because the believers, now they have fellowship with the Holy Trinity, as he said in verse 3, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Why he is declaring these things to us, that also we may have fellowship with the believers and with the Holy Trinity. So the purpose of writing this letter, to have fellowship. Fellowship with Jesus Christ, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit, and with the community of the believers. When we have this fellowship, chapter, uh, verse 4, and these things we write to you that your joy may be full. So this fellowship actually will bring joy to our heart. This is the message we have heard from him and we declare it to you. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So what he is saying, if God is light and there is no darkness in him and you want to have fellowship with him, you need also to be light because there is no fellowship between darkness and light. That's why in verse uh, 6 he said, if we, say, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Then he added, Something, maybe you say, why he added this sentence. When he said, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So, he is saying, we must have fellowship with one another and with the Holy Trinity. But in order to have fellowship, we need to walk in light. Because he is light and there is no darkness. But the other fact, nobody is sinless. Nobody can live without sin, even if his life on earth is a single day. 
That's why he said, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So in order to walk in light, this doesn't mean you will be sinless. But means when you sin, the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ will cleanse you from your sins. So you will be walking in light. That's why in verse 8 he said, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, so when we commit a sin, we need to repent and confess it, then he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we have not sinned, we make him a liar. Because the scripture, which is the word of God, he said no one is without sin, even if his life uh, a single day. So if somebody said, I never sinned, then either this person is a liar or God is a liar. So if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So the summary of this chapter, St. John is saying, the main message of salvation, we, are, we declare to you this message of salvation that you may have fellowship with us and with the Holy Trinity. And having this fellowship, your joy may be full. Your joy will be full. So maybe the ultimate goal for some of us is to be forgiven. The ultimate goal for some of us that we are saved. But St. John is saying, no. The ultimate goal is to be one, to have fellowship with the Holy Trinity and with one another. But to have this fellowship, he is light and we are sinners. Then how we have this fellowship with him? He told us two things, confession and communion. If we confess our sins, then he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all our righteousness. And communion, because he said, we have, if, we have, uh, if we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. Then actually, the true fellowship with one another and with the Holy Trinity is actualized in the divine liturgy. Sometimes we think the fellowship in the social gathering, when actually we have some social time, we eat together, we spend some time together, but no. The true fellowship with the Holy Trinity and with one another in the divine liturgy. That's why the word liturgy, liturgy, is two words. Laos which means people. Urge means work or activity. So the liturgy actually is the communal work together. And we are as a community gathered together in the liturgy 
to praise God and thus we have fellowship with God and with one another. We cannot have understanding or knowledge of God outside the divine liturgy. St. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 16 and 17 He said, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body. For we all partake of that one bread. So he's saying, this bread is the body of Christ. And Christ is one with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Then when we partake from the body of Christ, then we become one with Christ and in Him children uh, of the Father and in Him partakers with the Holy Spirit. But also, all of us, we partake from the same body, from the same bread, one bread and one cup. That's why we don't bless or we pray on several bread, three or four. We pray only on one bread. And all of us, we eat from the same bread. That's our communion with one another. And all of us, we drink from the same cup, the cup of Christ, the cup of the blood of Christ. I remember when I was a child, I used to spend uh, the summer vacation in Upper Egypt in, uh, with my grandfather and grandmother. And I remember very well on Saturday night, the Al Arabni is the one who makes the urban. And the church, actually, every church has uh, a person called Al Arabni. Al Arabni is the one, his responsibility only to bake and prepare an urban, the bread. So I remember he used to go from house to house, to house to house, and to take some flour from each house. And as a child, I asked the question at that time, why this week this house will give him the flour that's needed, next week another house, the third week another house, and so on. Why every Saturday he has to go to all the houses of the believers in this small city in order to get the flower. And the answer that was given to me back then, in order for each family to be represented in this bread that will be offered tomorrow, the body of Christ. So he will bake the urban 
from the flower of this house and the flower of this house and the flower of this house and, and so on. So each house, each individual is represented in this urban, which actually has a beautiful meaning. Yes, as St. Paul said, all of us are the same bread. So it symbolizes that how all of us, we have fellowship with one another and we have fellowship with the head, Christ. Uh, in the divine liturgy we have Christ bodily bodily with us on the altar the fraction that we prayed today if you remember the beginning of the fraction we said behold Emmanuel our God is with us today on this table. Emmanuel, our God, is with us today on this table. Abu Nabshoi Kamer from Alexandria, one time he said, the greatest activity that the human being do in their life is the divine liturgy. Because in the divine liturgy, you have Christ bodily with you on the altar. And then in communion, we are united with him. There is no greater activity than this activity. Uh, when the Lord before his ascension said, Behold, I am with you all the days and unto the end of the ages. Yes, he's, he, he's with us spiritually. But the Eucharist, the liturgy, is actually the actualization of this promise. He is with us every day on the altar. Behold, I am with you all the days and unto the end of the ages. That's why Sometimes it's referred to the communion. It is a mystery of fellowship. And in many prayers, we ask for the fellowship. Make us worthy of partaking and fellowship. Because the liturgy is fellowship. When St. Paul said that I may know him in Philippians chapter 3 verse 10 that I may know him and the fellowship and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his uh, suffering and death how can we know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering and the fellowship of his death how the Lord told us for each time you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim my death, confess my resurrection, and remember me till I come. How come? Because in communion, I am in a real fellowship, real unity with the suffering Christ, with Christ who died for me, with Christ who rose from the dead from me. So, 
You cannot live this verse that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering and his death. You cannot live this verse away from the divine liturgy. In the divine liturgy, the Lord on Covenant Thursday, he actually made certain steps, seven steps. And these seven steps are the structure of the divine liturgy. He took bread, he gave thanks, he blessed, he sanctified, he broke, he gave, then they praised God. These seven elements are the component of the divine liturgy. He took bread, that's the offering of the lamb, when Abuna chooses the lamb. He gave thanks, that's the thanksgiving prayer. He blessed, that's the institution narrative. He sanctified, this is the descent of the Holy Spirit upon the elements. He broke it, that's the fraction. He gave that communion. Then they praised God, that's why we say Psalm 150, praise God in all his sins. So this structure of the divine liturgy is taken from, uh, from what the Lord did on Covenant Thursday. So now actually we understand that the true fellowship, the actualization of First John chapter 1 is in the divine liturgy. There is no fellowship with one another and there is no fellowship with Christ except in the divine liturgy. So what are the practical steps in order to be in fellowship in the divine liturgy? Because I, I see many of us, when they attend the liturgy, we come like observant, not as participant. And if I'm not participant, then I don't have fellowship. Fellowship to be participant. And many people, especially after uh, COVID and, and the closure of the churches or how only certain number of people attend every liturgy. So some people, they tried to find another spirituality away from the divine liturgy. I will speak about it, the individual spirituality. Yes, it is important for each one of us to have personal relationship with Christ. But this cannot replace our fellowship with one another and with Christ and with the Holy Trinity. Let me explain it to you. Christ said, we are the body and he is the head. Let us look at our body. Our body has different organs, 
and there is the brain. Each organ is connected with the brain through the nervous system. Each single organ in your body is connected with the brain through the nervous system. Which means every member in the body of Christ should be in connection with the head through personal relationship. But can we imagine there is head and from the head comes liver and then heart and then spleen and then kidney and all these organs are not connected with each other? Definitely not. That's not the body. The body, all these members are connected with each other. It's interesting to know there is tissue in the body called connective tissue. The connective tissue this actually connect all the organs together. So the body has all the members connected together and all the members connected with the head. That's why the fellowship cannot replace your personal relationship with God. And the opposite is true. The personal relationship with God cannot replace the fellowship and the liturgy. Both go hand in hand together. So, how we participate in this fellowship? So, we experience this fellowship in every divine liturgy we attend and we participate. I will mention uh, nine points actually quickly to explain to us how to actualize this fellowship in the divine liturgy. Number one, we need actually to participate in offering the oblations. There is a litany called the litany of the oblations in which Abuna says, remember, O Lord, those who have brought to you these gifts, those by whom they have been brought and those for whom they have been brought. So the offering are offered in the name of everybody, on behalf of everybody, by everybody. Again, the offering are offered by everybody, on behalf of everybody, in the name of everybody. By everybody means uh, a priest by himself cannot pray a liturgy. It will not be a liturgy. A priest and a deacon, two persons cannot pray a liturgy. At least we need three persons. Priest, deacon, and congregation. To represent everybody. On behalf of everybody, who actually cannot come to the church either 
sick person or traveling. These are the two excuses that one cannot go to church before the registration system. But that's actually, if you don't go on Sunday to pray, then either you are, or on the day of religion, either you are traveling or you are uh, sick. That's why we pray these two litanies, litanies for the sick and litany for the travelers. So the offering are offered on behalf of everybody. And in the name of everybody, as I explained to you, everybody participate in the offering. Was done back then by actually collecting the flower from every house. But St. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, he told us, now concern, verse 1, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches in Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, every Sunday, let each one of you, each one of you, let something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collection when I come. So St. Paul said, on, every first today, on the first day of every week, on every Sunday, let each one of you, father, mother, children, infant, elderly people, lay something aside. Why it is important? The Lord actually in the Old Testament, he, he said, don't appear before me empty-handed. Nowadays, many people actually, they send their donation online, or one check per month, etc. That's fine. But at least every Sunday, when you come to the church, offer something. Something as little as one dollar, 50 cents, whatever. But when you come to the church, don't come empty-handed. Come and offer something. And not only you, you, your spouse, your children, even the little children, you need to teach them when we go to the church, we offer something. So when Abuna says, remember, O Lord, those who have offered you this day, these gifts on whose behalf they have been offered, by whom they have been offered, all of us will be represented in this offering. Uh, St. Clement, the Roman, not the Alexandrian, uh, in, hun- in year 102, he said in the Old Testament the sacrifice was not offered in any place, but was offered only in the tabernacle of meeting. So our offering should be offered in the church. That's why when we come to the church, we come fasting, and also we come with our offering. Pope Gabriel II, known by Ibn Trik, he said, you should not come to the church empty-handed, so you will take communion 
from the offering of other people. But you partake from your offering as you can afford. So if I'm coming on Sunday and I'm not participating in this offering, then actually I'm participating from the offering of others who offered the oblation for this day. That's why he said, when you come to the church, come with something as you can afford, but you will not be uh, partaking on behalf of others or on expense of others. So that's number one. Number two, the reading in the church has more than one reason. One reason is to purify us. As the Lord said in in John chapter 15, verse 3, you are pure, you are clean because of the word which I've spoken unto you. So in order to walk in light, in order to have fellowship with Christ, this reading cleanses us. You are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. But another reason behind the reading that all of us, we will have the same mind. For example, today we heard the gospel about offenses. We heard the Catholic letter from Jude. We heard the Synexerium, the commemoration of Archangel Michael and Bashishoi and uh, Saint Abahur. We, we heard the Pauline letter from Galatians when he spoke about the false teachers who perverted the gospel of Christ. We heard the praxis from the book of Acts, how the angel of the Lord delivered the apostles from the prison. So when all of us listened carefully to the reading, then all of us will have what? One mind. All of us who are thinking the same thoughts. Isn't it fellowship? Yes, that's a true fellowship. When I think in the same thing that you are thinking about, then I have fellowship. In this way, we'll have one mind, one thought. But if you are distracted during the readings and you are not paying attention to the reading, then you are not in fellowship. So then how to have fellowship? Come early. Because if you come late and you miss the reading, then you are missing the cleansing power of the reading. And also you are missing the one mind with the believers. You come with your own thoughts and with your own mind. But when you come to the church and listen to the reading, all of us we will have the same mind and the same thought. Number three, reconciliation and the holy kiss. When the deacon says, greet one another with a holy kiss, why the church actually included this in the divine liturgy? What, why? What is the reason behind it? If I am not reconciled with you, then I cannot say I have fellowship with you. 
But when we are reconciled with one another, that's a true fellowship. The Lord told us, if you offered your offering on the altar, and then you remember there is something between you and your brother, leave your offering on the altar, go first, be reconciled, and then come. There is no fellowship when there is tension and contention between us. And reconciliation doesn't mean you are reconciled only with the people who attended this church. Because some people, you try to outsmart God. If I have tension with somebody praying in, in St. Paul, I will pray in St. Mary. So when the deacon says, greet one another, now I can greet everybody? No, no, no. Cannot outsmart God. When we say greet one another means to be reconciled with every single person you know, that you know. Your heart has no grudges. Because if, if there's grudges and tension, then how you can be a member in the same body, the body of Christ? Uh, in the Didachi, we read in chapter 14, verse 1 and 2. Don't assemble with one another while you have contention with one another, lest your sacrifice be defiled. Your sacrifice be defiled. And this actually will make, uh, will harm the community of the believer. In the canons of the apostles, it says, if two persons, they have contention and not reconciled, don't call them believers until they reconcile. Don't call them believers until they reconcile with one another. Uh, Number four, the regular attendance of the divine liturgy. The canons of the apostles in the Discalia, it says, when one person miss or absent, as if you are deforming the body of Christ because part of the body is absent. As if I amputated part of my body. So when I am absent, then one organ is absent. So the body of Christ is deformed here. During the time of St. Paul, some people start to miss their weekly assembly together on Sunday, in the first day of the week. So in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, he said, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Let's encourage one another. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together 
as if the manner of some not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some but exhorting one another and so much that more as you say you see the day approaching many people say are we now in the end of days all what's happening around us is this the end of days well if you believe that is the end of days then we need actually to attend more and to pray more and to assemble one uh, with one another more as St. Paul said. Uh, so we need to regularly attend the divine liturgy. Number five. the actual participation of the congregation in the liturgy. When you look at the liturgy book, you will find priest, deacon, congregation. Congregation means all the congregation should actually pray. But we see only few deacons they pray and the rest of the people just they observe they are not participant this is not fellowship and i'm not speaking about hymns that some of you don't know i'm speaking about lord have mercy that's repeated several times anybody can say lord have mercy anybody can say the cherubim worship you and the seraphim glorify you so don't actually stand there watching but you need actually to stand there uh, participating and praising when you see the congregation you should participate and you should sing with the rest of the chanters in the church Another thing about the participation, many times the deacon gives the instruction, pray for the peace of the one only holy Catholic and Apostolic Orthodox Church of God. Pray that God may have mercy upon us, have compassion upon us, etc. To whom he is directing this instruction? To us, the congregation. So every time the deacon says pray, you should lift up your heart and pray. If you're standing there and the deacon say, pray for the church, pray for the peace of the church, pray for our Pope, pray for the clergy, pray that God may have mercy upon us, and you are just not praying, then you are not participant. There is no fellowship here. When the deacon says, pray, you need to lift up your heart and pray for whatever the deacon is saying when you pray and I pray and she pray and he prays then all of us who are praying for the same thing and God told us if two or three among you pray for something it will be given to them 
He told us if two or three assembled in my name, I'll be in their midst. Assembly is not just sitting together in the same place. Assembly in the mind, assembly in the prayer, assembly in the heart, assembly in the peace. Then God will be in our midst. Number six, communion. Communion actually is the actual communion and fellowship with the Holy Trinity and with one another. Because whose body we are partaking of? It's the body of Christ. Christ as the Son of God the Father and one with the Holy Spirit. So when I partake and abide in Christ and Christ abides in me, we are one. Then in him I'll be son of God the Father. In him I have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Also, all of us will partake from the same body. So I have the body of Christ. You are one in the body of Christ. You are one in the body of Christ. Then we'll have fellowship with one another. The Lord says, take, eat, this is my body. Take, drink, this is my cup. How you be standing in the church and the Lord is asking you, come, take, eat, this is my body. Come, drink, this is my blood of the new covenant. And just we turn a deaf ear. And we refuse to partake of his body and his blood. Then we don't have fellowship. Fellowship in its maximum actualization in communion. Number seven, I mentioned before, uh, the individual godliness. Some people say, I, I, don't not, I don't want to be part of a church, or I don't have to be part of a church. I have a personal relationship with God, I pray, I read the scripture, I have my individual time and my quiet time with Christ. It's not necessary for me to come to the church every Sunday. It's not necessary for me to come and attend the assembly of believers. And some of them, they tell you, you know what? The church is full of hypocrites. And I don't want to be part of, of this uh, hypocritic church. Uh, and he does not realize that if we are hypocrite, he is judging, he judging us. Or some knew that the new fashion is against any institution. But the church is not an institution. Church is the body of Christ. It's not a secular institution. It's the body of Christ. So some people make their relationship with the church and with the divine liturgy according to his own mood. And in his mind, I don't have to partake of his body and his blood on a weekly basis. Then when I feel like it, I will. Some people come and take communion only on Hosanna Sunday or Covenant Thursday or Bright Saturday or the feasts and that's it. Or I came to communion once every month, once every three months, when I feel like it. 
but you are separating yourself from the fellowship. So, don't deceive yourself by saying, I have this personal, individual relationship with God. Actually, you cannot have this individual relationship with God without having fellowship with the community of the believers. We say in the Divine Liturgy, make us all worthy of our Master to partake of your body and your blood, purification of our souls, bodies, and spirits. Uh, that is the introduction to the litany of peace in, uh, in St. Basil liturgy. Make us worthy, make us all worthy, O our Master, to partake of your holies unto the purification of our souls, bodies, and spirits, that we may become one body. So this purification, now we are walking in light. So when we are walking in light, we will be one body and one spirit, and may have share and inheritance with all the saints have pleased you since the beginning. So in communion, actually, I am not only having fellowship with the Holy Trinity and with one another, but also with the cloud of witnesses surrounding us. So in communion, I have fellowship with the Holy Trinity, with the cloud of witnesses, share an inheritance with all the saints that, uh, ha who have pleased you since the beginning, and with the community of the believers. Number eight. You know there is one word in, in Greek, met ephthavis. This word can be translated godliness and can be translated religion or doctrine or faith. Doctrine. Dogma. We read in the letter of St. Paul to Timothy, he said, Great is the mystery of godliness. God has appeared in the flesh. So, if we, re if we remove the word godliness and we put doctrine, St. Paul is saying, great is this doctrine that God appeared in the flesh. So this doctrine, this dogma is great that God appeared in the flesh, the mystery of incarnation. By why it is great? Because he appeared in the flesh for us to be godly. To be godly means to participate and to have fellowship with God. As I told you, the ultimate goal is not just salvation and forgiveness for our sins. The ultimate goal is to be one with God, godly. That's why it's translated, great is the mystery of godliness, God appeared in the flesh. The sacra, the Eucharist is called what? Do you remember the institution, institution narrative? Abuna says, for he instituted for us this great mystery of godliness. Actually, it's a mystery of doctrine or dogma or religion. 
So the Eucharist is the mystery of godliness and the mystery of doctrine. Means what? Means you cannot separate the sound doctrine from the godly life or the fellowship with God. Nowadays, many people, in the name of love, they want to compromise the doctrine and the sound faith. But as you heard in the Purim letter today, St. Paul said, even if an angel came to you with a different doctrine, let him be accursed. St. John, the apostle of love, he told us in his second letter, if somebody come to you with a wrong doctrine, don't even greet him and don't receive him in your house. Because if you receive him, you are partaker in his evil work. And he's speaking here about false teaching. So you cannot have, you cannot have godliness if you are following a wrong teaching. The mystery of godliness, the mystery of incarnation, the mystery of the Eucharist is the same. To have the true knowledge of God as he revealed himself to us, not as we believe in him or make our mind understand him. So we need actually to follow the sound doctrine. That is the mystery of godliness, the mystery of religion. The last thing, uh, before when the number of people was limited, they forbid actually to have more than one liturgy in the same uh, place or in the same area to indicate that all of us are members of this body. But now actually because yani, the number of people is growing, so for example, in Egypt to have first liturgy or second liturgy and sometimes we have five or six liturgies in the same day just to accommodate the number. But uh, Originally, they used to have only one liturgy uh, in the same church for the same group of people to indicate their unity with one another. So let's take the spirit of this because sometimes in the same city there are tensions between churches. So this church I tell you, if you go to this church, then you are not a member in our church, so don't register in our church. That's not actually the spirit of, of fellowship. This is against the fellowship. Whether I am in Australia or in America or in Europe or in Egypt or in Canada or uh, South America, we are members in the same body. So it's one church but different locations. So 
I cannot tell you if you are praying this church, then you are not member in this church. I understand sometimes for regulation and, and order, but it shouldn't be out of tension. If you are not with me, then you are against me. This is not the spirit of, of fellowship. So in communion, uh, all of us, we partake from different cultures, from different languages. The Church of God should be multicultural. As we read in the book of Revelation, from every tongue, from every tribe, from every language. So the Church that's closed for one culture is not the icon of heaven, or one language, or one tongue. The true Church, the fellowship, everybody should be represented in this church, rich or poor, black or white, Greek or Jewish, male or female, child or elder. And all of them partake from the same bread, same body, and drink from the same cup. So, this nine points actually will help us to understand how to participate in the divine liturgy. This mystery, the mystery of fellowship. Let me remind you with what we started, or how we started from 1 John chapter 1. John said, I'm writing my letter to you that you have fellowship with us. But our fellowship is with the Holy Trinity. So the goal of the message of salvation is not only salvation from your sins and forgiveness of sins. No. The goal is beyond this. The goal is fellowship. To be one with God, one with the Holy Trinity, one with the cloud of sins, and one with one another. But God is light. And if we walk in darkness, we cannot have fellowship with Him. That's why if you want to have fellowship with God, and with one another, two things. Repentance, confession, as he said, if we confess our sins, and the blood of our Lord Jesus in communion will purify us from all sins. Then we'll have this fellowship with one another. Then the actualization of this fellowship with the Holy Trinity, with the cloud of sins, that's why we pray the commemoration of the sins in any divine liturgy, and with one another, is in the divine liturgy. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.